Blog Talk Radio. Young 
very young children now, sometimes as early as five years old when they're you know in kindergarten or first grade, they're coming home with questions about you know sex or you know someone touched someone in class or something someone saw on television, and so not necessarily even something that you know happened at school, but something that they saw, and then the discussion came about um, you know in the classroom, and so. I believe that the conversation uh, is really going to be based on the relationship that you have with your child, um, what they're being exposed to, what they're bringing to you, and um, and then really trying to identify how do I help bridge, you know, this knowledge. How what is the maturity level of the child, and how can I kind of bridge this conversation into maybe a more broader one later, but. Um, sometimes it could be, I mean, it, it may be as early as they bring it to you, and that could be, you know, as early as five years old, which um, sounds horrible, but um, really can be the case. Well, you know, I remember when my daughter, when my older daughter was two, my husband at the time started then, somewhere between age two and three, and he told her that if anybody, whether it was a family member, somebody at school, if it was a friend, an adult, a child, if anybody ever touched her in certain places that she was to report immediately. Right. And it was it was a very simple conversation, um, but part of it was just the education that there are certain parts of your body that it is not okay for anybody, anybody, to touch you, and if anybody does or tries to, you have the right to say no, and you come back and you tell mom and dad. Mm-hmm. And that was that was very very early, and it was probably when she was six or seven that she came home and she asked me, "So what's the difference between boys and girls between the legs?" <laughs> I was not ready. <laughs> right. I was so not ready, and I was thinking, "Hey, I thought this was like 16. Why are we right. having? Why do I have to answer this now?" And 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 I did very in a in a biologically correct way because sure. I want them to have the right information. And then it was probably a year later that she came home and she said, "So what is sex?" And once again, I'm thinking, "I'm not ready." <laughs> I'm not ready to have this conversation. And her six-year-old sister at the time, so she was she was probably about, by then she was maybe eight, and she's got this little six-year-old sister, so she comes and she's asking me, and the six-year-old is looking at me like, yeah, what is it? <laughs> and I'm thinking, really? Really, now? <laughs> really? Wow. And, yeah. so we, and, and my commitment has always been that, Whatever information that I'm going to give them is going to be accurate. I'm not going to treat them like they're stupid. Um, But it's going to be accurately, you know, tailored to their age. And we sat down and I explained what sex was, and we got on the Internet and we looked at pictures. And, you know, this is what your genitalia looks like. This is what male genitalia looks like. This is what sex is. And then I created the context, right? Sex happens between and in my household, you know, what I really want to impart is sex is something that happens between a husband and wife. Mm-hmm. And it is how they have children. That's how you guys came, between right. husband and wife, mom and dad. And so to the extent that you've got your friends or other people who are suggesting that sex is something that should happen earlier, that's not 
what we believe. And so that's not what I want you to believe, to receive, to understand, to accept. This is the way it should be used. And in the context, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. That wasn't the last time we're having that conversation, I'm sure. Right. It was the last time I got a question. And so that is what we're going to tackle today. Listeners, the show is divided into three segments. First, we're going to talk to, we're going to address common issues um, that affect girls and young women. Then we're going to speak to the guys, and then we'll bring it all together at the end. So we're going to kick it off with a clip from um, Ludacris and Tayo Cruz. Take a listen, and, and most of you will recognize it. Now, I may not be the worst or the best, but you've got to respect my honesty. And I may break your heart, but I don't really think there's anybody as bound as me. So you can take this chance in the end. Everybody's going to be wondering how you feel. You might say this is Ludacris with Tayo Cruz. Of this kind of, of behavior when 
deep down inside it really does um it tears at the overall fabric of of our culture but um really rips uh the male and female apart because the man i believe or the the young man or or, or boy or or teenager that is breaking the girl's heart that it it's actually hurting him him as well he may not see it in the same way that she does but he also wants commitment too and um and just allowing him he's allowing himself to have these callous and very um loose relationships doesn't require for him to to grow and be developed either so i uh it, it, it's painful all the way around well now here's our first next question for the young ladies let's suppose in all of that i'm thinking yeah but I'm 16, I'm gorgeous, the boys look hot, and some of them are after me. I want to have sex, so why shouldn't I? You know, part of understanding uh, the decisions that we make I think comes comes back to first really looking at our personal identity and saying, you know, who am I as a young woman, um, as a person, and um, recognizing my inner side. I mean, you know, back to our, our society, what we see on television, the images that we um, see on a daily basis that, what mat what matters really in our supposedly what matters in our culture is what we see all of the things that are on the surface you know our our hair and our you know teeth being extremely bright and white you know perfect skin perfect body coke bottle body and uh, you know all of those things which are extremely superficial and so it's it's so important for particularly young people young women to be able to look inside and say, who am I as a person? How beautiful? What What is my character? And not be moved by um, or drawn to wanting to have sex for really the the wrong reason. Because I, you know, I'm I'm gorgeous and he's hot and we think we should be together based on you know some. Um, show on television. So, I mean, I, I think the the bottom line really is about looking at your internal side. And I think you'd make make different different choices um if you made decisions based on who you were on the inside. I'm 18. I'm not so gorgeous. For the first time in my life, a boy finally, finally noticed me. And he even wants to sleep with me. Do you know how great it feels to be wanted. Why should I not have sex with him? <laughs> well, <laughs> yes, it does. I know. Right. Okay, it does. It, it feels. It feels great to um, to want you. You know, for someone to want you. Um, specifically, when. If you feel like no one has wanted you before, I mean, I, I actually this flashes me back to you know my high school years, which has been a very long time since I've been in high school. But 
<laughs> but the number I, of years uh, will remain uncounted. <laughs> yes, they will. They will. But you know, so but I I was thinking about how I was um, slightly overweight um, when I was sixteen, when I was turning sixteen, and I remember kind of thinking, going through this mental exercise of you know, wanting to lose weight and wanting to be attractive to guys because, like, a lot of the girls, guys were liking them or at least thought they were cute and attractive, and I wasn't getting that kind of attention. And I purposely went on a starvation diet one summer and ended up losing, like, 25 pounds um, and, you know, ended up passing out, you know, because I wasn't only eating, like, an apple and lettuce every day, right? It was just crazy. Anyway, um, but but it, what I recognized, and I can identify with um, some of the young women that when I saw that attention, when I started getting the attention, I mean, it was just, it was so alluring and it was so exciting. And I made some poor choices because of that. And I really had to, you know, it wasn't really until college that I was able to kind of go back and start trying to look at um, who I really was, but then there was some, you know, emotional damage that was done. And so... um, I know that there's there's the emotional piece that um, oftentimes when you're at that age or when you're going through that, you don't really realize um, the backlash, the um, the consequence of having sex with someone for that reason, or even you know before you're married. And so, you know, even as I think about the whole context of this conversation, I think it's so important that. Um, young women have conversations with um, older females and males, you know, the, our parents, their parents, and if parents can be honest with their um, daughters and sons. I mean, I remember being very honest with my niece. We raised our niece, and it was hard for me. I had heard that, you know, you should be able to tell them the truth, and I'm like, you know, I, I kind of don't want to tell her that I made mistakes because I want her to not think that I was perfect, but I just don't want her to know that, you know, that there is an option for her to have sex before she gets married, you know. But I really felt led to and felt it was really important for me to be honest with her about um, the mistakes that I had made um, prior to marriage. And it, it, I think that it's important that you have those conversations because it can really, that transparency can really help um, our young um teenagers and young adults to make better choices, and they don't have to make some of the same mistakes that we've made, um, you know, in our life. You adults just don't understand. (laughs) Nowadays, all the boys expect to have sex. You don't even have to be going with a guy, and he expects to have sex with you if he likes your body. At my school, every day and everywhere, there is pressure to have as much sex as often as possible. What do you say to that? Well, I know that that is true. Um, It is unbelievable. I have a lot of uh, colleagues and friends that are educators and and, uh, actually kids are having sex, you know, under stairwells and bathrooms and there's special places at school that you actually, they know that that's where they have sex. Mm-hmm. Uh, several times a day. So so it's very true. It's, it's not only at school, which is somewhere that they can deal with it every day, but it's also in every um, form of advertisement and, you know, media. And so uh, it, 
when I hear maybe a young person that being the voice of a young person saying we don't understand, it's, it's kind of true to a certain degree because it was never that um, prevalent, you know, growing up. Um, but I do understand because I do see um, a lot of the the, the pressure and am in relationships with young people and hear and see the um, the issues of of sex really almost being paramount uh, in terms of um, you know decisions that they have to make that you know in their lives and so you know I I believe that you. Uh, that just like anything else, you have to make a decision what you're going to be influenced by. And, you know, the the old saying is, you know, if um, somebody's going to jump off a cliff, are you going to do it just because they are, you know? And it's I know it may seem like it's very different, but it's the same thing. If you can see that making a decision like you know, having sex um, either before you're married or before you're more mature is going to be detrimental to your life, or could result in uh, you know sexually transmitted diseases or pregnancy. Then um, you don't need to go down that road. You don't have to jump off that cliff. You can let somebody else have already made those mistakes, and you not succumb to that pressure and say, "I need to make some other decisions. I need to make better choices." for my life because I have a greater plan. I have a greater hope for what my life is going to look like, and it's not going to include um, the negative pressure that can come with um, decisions around kind of premature or uh, yeah, sec- sexual activity. I, My boyfriend says... Sex will be my way of showing him that I love him, and I do. I love him, and I want to show him that. Love, love, love. <laughs> yes, yes. Yes, yes. Okay. <laughs> he lives me. <laughs> he loves you. Right. Okay. And I, I love him, too. <laughs> right. So, um you know love we are we're really i think we're really confused about what real love is and wow. we believe that you know love is sexual intercourse i mean so that's a lot of times what people say that that's how i show my love or mm-hmm. how i can you know and so being more clear about what real love is is I think probably one of the most important things is that it is not uh, exclusive to having sex, but more that there's so it's so much more broader. And if you really want to um, show your love for him, show you how much you love him, you're first going to show him how much you love yourself. And you're going to show him how much you love yourself by being able to make uh, decisions, healthy decisions, by abstaining and really helping him to choose how he's going to love you, choose um, how he will entreat you and even not pressure you or not make you feel devalued uh, 
by you not choosing to have sex with him. And so, um, you know, we show love in a lot of different ways, but but I think the the only way we can really, the true way, true model of showing love is first loving yourself and being able to to make choices that, that show um, I value myself and I'm not just going to just, you know, do things um, just because you want me to or even if I think I want to, I need to be really clear about, um, you know, loving myself in a way that is respectful and um, and honors myself first and then honors the relationships that I have. Well, let me ask you this. When it, this is my experience has been that usually when you find that you are being pressured into having sex in particular, that that ought to be a red flag Mm -hmm. because someone, a boy, who is really into you is not going to be into the physical aspect of who you are. And so when you find that there's focus on the physical, shouldn't that be a red flag that suggests that what you really have is somebody who is overly focused on the physical and therefore who probably does not love you and may be on to the next girl after he's done with you. I agree wholeheartedly. Um, and and in addition to that, I, I, I feel as though the expression of love or, you know, a, a young man uh, wanting to show his affection to a young woman uh, sometimes is so great, like, like they're really not sure how to show love uh, because of what they see. Because what they're seeing, the images that are being portrayed, is that having sex is showing love. It's like that's supposed to be the next thing. Like I could, you know, so they he may really have the red flag may be up yes because he's really in hot pursuit. But I do feel that there's this gray area of sometimes the judgment is off because the images are so strong. And that's all they see is that I like somebody and the next step is, you know, we're supposed to have sex. And so it's like no one is teaching anything about, you know, that there's like 15 steps in between, you know, me liking her and me having sex with her. And so I think this this is it's really dynamic because there there's a lot of things that we're not teaching and there's a lot of images and um, uh, lack of really education or ignorance that is within the process of what real love is and what the expression of real love is um, as a teenager, as a, as in a young adult, or you know, pre marriage. I am afraid that he will leave me if I don't sleep with him. Hmm. Yeah, he probably will. <laughs> Not the answer I was looking for. Okay, I know. <laughs> I know. Right, right. Right. <laughs> he probably will. You'll get well, right. Right. Okay. Then I know. I'm right so, to be concerned. <laughs> and I so the thing is, he said he was going to leave. Uh, yes. And right. he's telling me he will. He will. Okay, I mean, obviously nothing, no answers, no scenario is absolute. But the point here is if he only 
wants to stay with you because, uh, you know, so that he can have because you're willing to have sex with him, then you really don't want him. You don't want him Why? just for sex. You so if he leaves you, then you should be saying, "Oh, this is great. Now I can really see that it, he doesn't really want me. He doesn't value me for who I really am." And even though it's going to be extremely painful because you most likely like him and you you you're almost maybe even questioning should I have sex with him because I really do you know he's so mm-hmm. sweet and kind and he's nice and he says all the you know all the right things and oh just when he looks in my eyes oh my goodness but yeah. he says uh, such wonderful things yes exactly you know, and as you maybe could have seen maybe even with some of your girlfriends or other women that you or young girls that you know that he was doing all those things before she had sex with him, but then once she did, then he's, as you said earlier, he's on to the next girl. And so you don't have to make that mistake. Me. Oh, well, what yeah. What if he says it's different sure. with me? Oh, yeah. Why, yeah, okay, right. <laughs> he's changed. He's, okay, you know, and he's going to say. <laughs> he, he's going to say all the things that uh, he thinks you want to hear. Because he really does, he has a desire to have sex with you. And so you're going to have to, you know, trust. Um, maybe you have some instincts or maybe you've been hearing this conversation or maybe you've even heard conversations that other adults, women and men have said. You know, I, I was, it, it reminds me of, um, you know, I have a number of, you know, male figures, you know, in my life and, and just different guys over the years, uncles and dads, and I mean, and you know, they're they really try to be straight with their daughters. You know, they say, look, look, this is what a guy's thinking about. When I was a when I was a kid, when I was a young you know young guy, that's what I was thinking about. You know, and they're now because as dads and uncles, they're trying to protect their daughters against the stuff that guys you know are um, that they say and do. And so, you know, I would even say that for particularly young women to just interview. You know, you okay, don't take our advice, you know, at least point blank. You know, do a little bit of research for yourself and maybe ask, you know, three to five um, older men, uncles, or, you know, maybe you have your mom or, or a close family friend to just give you some suggestions of some men that you could interview around this topic and see what they say, you know, because – it's it's a lot of times we just we don't know and we have not had these conversations and we're making decisions based on our own emotion and our emotions oh my goodness they are i mean in the moment you know they're they're hot and passionate and they they get skewed and so i think if you you know a suggestion to take outside of this conversation that we're having right now is to to have, you know, our young ladies and young men, but particularly young ladies, to ask um, some maybe more mature um, men that would be honest with them and that, you know, love, that they love and trust and are love and trusted by um, their parents to um, to speak to this topic and to be able to give some suggestions about how they acted or thought or behaved, you know, when they were younger. One of the things that I counted myself lucky for growing up is I had cousins that grew up, male cousins that grew up in our household because in Zimbabwean culture it truly is, you know, it it takes a village so that means all the village kids are in your house all the 
time. Mm-hmm. And so we have this extended family thing where my 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 cousins and I were so much at each other's houses all the time that I considered myself as having brothers, even though in terms of blood I didn't. And so I had um, two of my cousins that I consider my brothers. Uh, one was they were about three and maybe three and four years older than me. And when they got to be around, you know, 16, 17, 18, I would listen to them talk to and about the girls. And I was just astounded at the things that I learned just listening to the shop talk amongst the guys. And I learned, among many other things, that, you know, guys know very, very early in the encounter with a girl what this girl is good for. Is she somebody that I would be interested in having a long-term relationship with? Is she somebody I just want to sleep with? Is this somebody that I would take home to my mom? And a lot of the times, the girls that they were sleeping with were girls they would never bring home, ever. Mm -hmm. And they knew that up front, and they used them for that. And they moved on. And I was the one, as the sister, who had to field the calls when he was done with her. (laughs) Because she's calling, because she's in love, and he's like, I'm not here. Okay, well, he's not here. Where is he? He went to the store. When's he going to be back? He's going to be back in 30 minutes. 30 minutes on the dot. Is he back yet? Uh, No. No. He's out with his voice. (laughs) <laughs> and on and on and on and you know that's that that was my sort of conspiracy part, but you know I I really was my eyes were opened to how guys think about women, and there's nothing like talking to some guys and hearing the back end. In fact, if I can if I can get somebody who's willing to, I think what I'll do is I'll get a guy to come and talk about this from the guy's perspective on the show. And uh, it's just eye-opening. So with that, let us listen to our next clip, which is kind of the flip side of the first one that we just heard. Take a listen. conversation with a friend of mine who encountered exactly this when he was a kid. So for those of you who do not recognize that, that was the Pussycat Dolls, and that was a song called Buttons. And what she is saying is, loosen up my buttons, babe, um, but you've been fronting, and, you know, you've been saying what you've been saying to me, and I ain't seen nothing. <laughs> and she's basically encouraging him to, you know, come on with it. You said you could do it. I want to see you do it. Sheila, what do you think? (laughs) (laughs) Whoa, yeah. Because it's not just the guys is what I I realized in talking to. That's the whole thing, yeah. I mean, just with the whole sexual revolution, I mean, you know, women have, have really evolved into being more free, you know, sexually and saying, hey, you know, this is what I want and, 
um, you, you know, you're hearing it in music, you're seeing it, you know, in advertisement as well, and and um, and so what it does, it, it further promotes um, other women to say, you know what, I hey, I know what I like, or at least I, I mean, I'm kind of seeing, I see on television, it seems like that's something that looks good to me. I I want that too. I'm going to be more. Come on. <laughs> assertive, aggressive. I'm gonna go for it, you know. Yeah. And um, and so, not knowing though the the consequence of that. I mean, there's just so many ramifications of that because we're we're seeing that with our young people that they are so aggressive. I mean, I have um, just like my you know god god kids and kids. I mean, I'm just in the lives of of kids, and so especially with the young men. I mean, the girls are just. They're they're so aggressive. I mean, really, at ten, eleven years old, young girls are calling and they're trying wow. to, you know, say, "Oh, I just want to, you know, say hi." And it's like, okay, how did you get this number? You know, <laughs> like, you know obviously he, you know, he had to give it to her, but um, but really too pushy. But it's only because that's what they've they've seen. It, it is a behavior that um, mm-hmm. has been developed based on um, what what. Uh, you know what's been presented to us, and so again, I think that this is that this is another conversation that um, particularly young women need to be able to have with um, caring, trusting, loving adults uh, to be able to say, you know, what should be the behavior, what should be things that I present, um, how, uh, what is appropriate for me to do. Um, in a relationship with a, with a guy, you know, I remember my dad. He used to always say, um, you know, Sheila, make sure that you know in the relationship it's not, you know, a one way street. And at first I was like, hey, what is he talking about, a one way street? You know, and then <laughs> I kind of got to like, oh, two way means, you know, I'm coming one way, guys go the other, you know. But that um, if you're always the one, you know, giving out and, and pushing, and you have really no idea. Um, how much they really care for you or love or or desire your company or affection. And, um, you know, we talked a little bit about, you know, last year about how we believe that women do like to be pursued, even though that she's being a lot more aggressive now, but that there is something in um, feeling that pursuit and, you know, feeling a, a guy having interest in you and him looking for, um, you know, the, the gifts that are within you, not just, you know, kind of the the wrapping on the outside, but actually what's inside that beautiful package. And so even how women, young women dress, you know, saying you've got everything out and he doesn't even have to guess, you know, what, you know, what your your breasts look like or what your butt, because you, yeah. it's, it's all out. And so I think it needs to be a shift. <laughs> it's like advertising. You to unwrap anything because it's already unwrapped. <laughs> yeah. And just yeah. waiting. Right, 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 just out there. And so, um, you know, back to your point about, you know, your cousins. I mean, they just, guys, they know. And so they typically, they may, you know, have a relationship with you that is strictly sexual, but in terms of anything meaningful and lasting, most likely it's not going to be if you're the type that is going to throw yourself at him. Now, let's talk to the guys about that because this is the challenge, right? My sure. friends have all done it, and they say it's great. As a matter of fact, I'm the only virgin left, and it's pretty darned embarrassing. 
I've got women chasing after me. If I resist, my friends will think I'm a punk, I'm a freak, I'm afraid. Um, the women have accused me of being gay if I don't come on to them. I, I, I feel the pressure. So what do I do? How do you resist in that kind of environment? You know, you you can't. Okay, I'm just so many things going through my mind right now. Okay, one the first thought is that rarely do you hear guys even say to younger guys, "It's okay to wait." I mean, I see that in um, just from the work that I do. Um, you know, with my life manual, the, the Holy Bible, you know, um, other Christian men will tell Christian men it is okay to wait. It doesn't matter what they, what um, other people are saying, and you cannot be pressured and moved by, um, you know, pleasing people. And that if you give yourself, you know, too early um, or even before you're married, that um, you're giving yourself away and you're, you're hurting the potential of the long-term relationship that you have with this woman and um, damaging um, the relationship also that you have with God. And so I'm thinking how unfortunate it is that, you know, guys often don't even say this. Guys will just be like, oh, you know, hey, yeah, man, you see it on television. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, you're getting someone. That's great. You know, you need to let's make sure that you do. And so get that. Um, it, <laughs> it is gotta go get some. Gotta go hit it. <laughs> right. That shows supposedly in our culture. I mean, this is that's why I think this conversation, uh, particularly I think to young men, are so counterculture, even more so than women, because it's like mm-hmm. it is. It is said, and it is okay for you know guys to have sex. Obviously, we gotta be having sex with somebody, you know. So, um, but it mm-hmm. it is as um, damaging to their um, their growth and development, their their spiritual um, entity, uh, as it is with females, for them to have sex before they get married. And you know, I have always believed, as I continue to mature, you know, you cannot be um, controlled by other people. People people are always going to have their opinion. They're all they're they they just will, you know, and. You cannot allow, uh, especially, you can't allow negative opinions to impact you, and that's why you have to, I think you have to go and you have to get some uh, some positive opinions or people in your life that are going to affirm, um, you, you know, behavior that will produce a positive consequence. The, the other thing that I was thinking of, just I remember I had a, a really good friend of mine that um, he had a son and he asked me to, just um you know just speak to his son um i had really just kind of been you know praying about just young people and just being able to encourage him but you know long story short is you know i was telling this young man that you know his um relationships with these young women um are are there it's, it's so important that he's making right choices with that and that if he's having sex with her he is he he needs to identify or recognize excuse me recognize how valuable his sperm is 
you know, that you just don't, you, I mean, if you just get down to it, I mean, you're, if you know as a young man how valuable you are, you're not just going to just start spewing your sperm all over and you're like, okay, well, maybe I, you know, I'm wearing a condom, so I'm not really putting it out there. But you are, you know, putting out uh, just the kind of the, the gift, really, that God has given you to be able to produce, um, you know, life. And so back to, I think, a really core theme in our conversation is about value and honesty, transparency with our young people. They see everything. I mean, they see stuff sometimes that's stuff that we don't see. And so, you know, when we're hiding things and pretending and not really, you know, being um, direct with them, we are putting them more at risk because they're going to they're most likely they're going to um see it in some way and so it's it's I think it's best for us to be very honest with um young men and young women about the value of their um the gift that they have within them. It's just a blowjob. It's not <laughs> even real sex. <laughs> so what's the big deal? Okay, right, right, right. Okay. So From the male perspective, the thought could be, if you're just going to let her do this and give you a, a blowjob, obviously you don't care much for her, um, and there couldn't I guess there wouldn't be any potential of, of any relationship um, with her, and so... I guess there maybe he you know he could be thinking that there is some you know there's pleasure in this but you know and probably I guess it probably probably is but what is what are supposedly the the long term um even effect that that can have on you as a young man you, you know when it, it this value piece of if you can just have some young woman do this to you and maybe that's all you do and you're not actually having intercourse, um, you know, with women, but what are you going to, what is going to be your opinion about women? And I think that, um, you know, just maybe just always getting a blowjob or even watching porn or, you know, some of the, you know, a lot of sexual inappropriate things that young men do that, it tears at the fiber of who they are. And so they may think that it really is not a big deal or it's not really hurting anybody and, you know, and even though it's hurting that young woman because she most likely wants so much more than that. But um, if we're still thinking from the male perspective, you know, how do you, um, uh, you know, what, what is going to be your your heart and your character and an overall value of women, and I, I really believe that it will shape um, the the potential of a relationship that could be maybe more long term, but that you're, that young man is not willing to really give of himself because um, really all he's doing in that is taking, and in that act itself he's just taking and he's at being satisfied. But um, in a marriage is where we, I really want young people to move towards and to believe that they actually can be, uh, you know, in a relationship 
long term with their marriage partner that they can have um, levels of intimacy um, that they can't even imagine, but they can't almost get there if they have all these superficial um, relationships prior to. Well, what if we're not really planning to even actually have sex? We're just going to kiss and mess around and stuff like that. Hmm. Lies, lies, and all a lot more lies. <laughs> you know what? You don't believe that. Okay, don't believe the hype. Okay, I'm sorry that um, that could be the initial intention. You yep. know, I mean, I mean because that you're thinking in your mind, yeah, no, we're not going to do anything. We're not going to go. You know, we're not going to go past what is it, third base or whatever. But um, yes, yes. Right, but when you start um, having, you know, some physical intimacy, just touching, I mean, even just physical touch, there's the psychological, you know, data that is even around that. When you touch someone, there is feelings, emotions come from that. So the more you kiss and touch and pet, the more you're going to want. You're, it, it's, go, it's not going to be like, oh, I'm going to touch and kiss and pet, and then I'm going to be bored and not want to do this anymore. You're going to, that is going to escalate. <laughs> and so so the, uh, so the knowing that going in, you don't even want, if you know that you're not, your plan is not to have sex, then you should not even, um, you shouldn't even go there. You shouldn't even put yourself in that position because the temptation is, I believe it's going to be more than you can bear to withstand. There's, you know, you're just not going to be able to. And I, I, I have a, a, a young, young man that was working with me, not too long ago, and uh, he was dating this young woman. And you know, we were just talking about his relationships, and and um, he said, you know, we sometimes we watch the movie, a movie together, and he said we may hold hands or whatever. He said, but we really. Um, he said, we don't do a lot of, you know, kissing. He said, because I just know that we're, you know, we want more. We've agreed that it is too much pressure for us, and we want to wait. They're in college, actually. And he said, we want to wait until we get married. We want to hold out. And he said, so we try to, you know, do things with other people, but sometimes, of course, you know, we just want to have some quiet time with ourselves. And he said, but we're very, very careful about um, how much, you know, petting or kissing that we're doing he said, because, um, you know, it, it draws us in, and it, it, it just does. I think it's important at this point to have just a note about non-consensual sex, and in particular date rape, because as you're talking, what I'm remembering is that I have talked to guys who have said that when it starts with kissing and petting and touching, they get aroused to a point where the physical just takes over. They're mm-hmm. not really thinking, they're not really interested in conversation, and they can't hear the no, even if she says it, because all they're focused on is getting that that physical release. And sometimes that is how date rape happens, because you know, as girls, we're told that no means no and it's supposed to mean no, and then we don't understand why sometimes I said no and he just kept going. And right. sometimes he just keeps going because he feels so compelled and he feels like he can't stop. 
And he doesn't want to stop. And so part of protecting yourself from situations that get out of control even if you didn't intend for them to and even if you didn't want them to is making sure you never take step one because you don't know what that point is for any given guy where it's just the point of no return. And, you know, I find when as men get older and they know themselves better, Mm-hmm. They're able to identify, and if they already know in their minds that that's not where they want to go, they can nip it in the bud and say, you know, now you're going to the place where you're going to light a fire that you can't put out. <laughs> right, exactly. But a lot of times if they're teens, you know, they're they're not in that place, and they're not even in a space of recognizing necessarily when it's even not a good idea to do it. And that's why the starting with the kissing is such a dangerous thing because you go down that slippery slope. And in the event that one person even wants to, the other person, and and now we heard from, you know, in in our earlier conversation with that song, that now it could be the girl who's saying, oh, no, you know, you you need to cash this check because you said all these things and, you know, you better come with it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> exactly. And, you know, I was just thinking, too, how a lot of times, you know, guys will, you hear mostly guys will say, but sometimes girls to this point, is that you're teasing me. You know, you're 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 teasing me. I, 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 I want it. And, um, and you, all the things you're doing is making me want it more. And now you're saying you don't. And so that sometimes that's how um, date rape happens. But also sometimes yep. where the pressure level of pressure gets so go, so far because you're almost there, and then you're like, okay, well, no, I really don't want to do it. Well, you're acting like you want to do it if you're doing all these other things, and I've basically, you know, your bra's off, and we're, you know, we're tongue kissing. I mean, everything, it's hot in here, and now you're saying, yeah. no, we're not going to do it. Okay, no, you should have never got us to this point. That's right. Yeah. Well, so, what I mean, about it's, this? It's, yeah, go ahead. It's okay that we slept together because we're going to move in and we're going to get married. <laughs> you know, my uh, my grandfather used to <laughs> always say, some more. okay, right, uh, right, right. We've heard it um, all, haven't we? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Why buy the cow when you can have the milk for free? Yes. And uh, and so I used to think, <laughs> oh my goodness, you know. So they, they there may be the promise that okay, yes. We're going to get married, but why would he really need to marry you if he's getting the milk? He's getting pretty much maybe what he wants for free and with no commitment, no deep covenant, you know, with a, with a marriage. And so it really is um, – sometimes I think it, it's just a ploy or another – or a form of deception um, you're deceiving yourself, the male and the female. But sometimes the female is like, oh, you know, he said he, you know, he put a ring on my finger if, you know, um, just in time. Well, if I know. give him a sample of the milk, maybe he'll want the cow. No, <laughs> that's what I'd be thinking. Okay, no, the cow's just gonna just extra work. <laughs> I got a feeder, and I, you know, I mean, and I don't want to, you know, uh, reduce us to um, farm animals. That's not the point, you know, because somebody might take it that way. But it, it, you know, just the whole analogy of um, there's so much more to me than the milk. I mean, there's a whole package of who I am and, and what I bring and what I can bring mm-hmm. in a healthy relationship that God has, you know, I believe God has or, ordained and and believes that can be uh, that can be 
prosperous and flourishing and healthy and full, um, that, that can be full of emotional and physical intimacy and ecstasy that you just cannot get um, in superficial you know, one-offs or, or pretending as though one day we're going to have this this bond of um, matrimony. And so there's, there's just a line that you have to decide that you're not going to cross if you want the benefit of, um, you know, kind of what, what I believe is promised in a covenant relationship in marriage. All right. Well, with that, that takes us to our third clip and this one is called Beep by the Pussycat Dolls. Take a listen. Funny how man only thinks about the You got a real big heart but I'm looking at you You got real big brain but I'm looking at you Girl, it ain't no pain I'm looking at you Keep looking at my It don't mean a thing if you're looking at my I'ma do my thing while you're playing with you Shows are an hour long. However, 
this show, I think, is so important and it's so critical that we are going to keep talking until we complete this conversation today. So with that, um, ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to the Speedway Show where we are talking to Sheila Ford about why kids should wait to have sex. Sheila, are there physical reasons why waiting to have sex is a good idea? Um, you know, there uh, with with young people, and I'm sure you know doctors maybe could speak to this to this better than I could. Um, but because but we do know that um, some physical aspects of just development um, is is necessary, and so especially depending on how early um, a young woman or a young man is, that it may um, physically hurt them, or they may not be able to physically manage that. Um, those actions, but I I believe that the emotional um, damage, uh, you know, is is much greater, and uh, oftentimes young people do not have the capacity, the emotional capacity, to handle or process um, the emotions because you know even going through puberty just in itself without you know throwing sex into the mix. You're trying to identify or figure out who you are. You know, um, your body's going through hormonal changes. You actually feel different. You know, you think you don't necessarily process, um, you know, the way you will as an adult. I mean, it has been proven. And so there is adding sex to that time frame of your life is um, adding dynamics um negative sometimes negative dynamics to um to who to who you are and to how you can grow and uh, mature in a very healthy way uh can you speak a little bit about pregnancy and stds hmm. well um i'll start with stds you know there's there's so just a, a number of them that you know been common for years, and uh, I guess it it did really even brings me back to just um, how we have now we're trying to prepare young people uh, or give them precautions to protect them from STDs um, very early on because we we know that they're having sex before they. Um, you know, before they get married or before they're even 18. And so, you know, I believe that we, that it's it's important to have conversations early. I was thinking, you know, when we talked earlier about how early to have them, but as early as possible, we want to have conversations about the, um, the consequence of obviously unprotected sex because that can provide or yet yeah, provide the uh the STDs or it can provide a you know a pregnancy but but it is it, it's so much broader than that but but I do feel like that has to be part of the conversation because in many cases young people are still going to have sex even if you advise against it or, you know, some do research and they're talking and they see all the consequences of living all around them, but they still decide that they're going to have unprotected sex 
and end up, you know, resulting with, um, you know, either damaging their body, their, their physical health, or um, having a child. And so we need to keep talking. I mean, I think we just have to keep having these conversations. And, and I think particularly, you know, adults, even if you don't have children, that there are children in your life, there are children that maybe you have built some relationships with that where we can assist even parents, you know, my nieces and, and nephews, and they their parents welcome, you know, extra support. And so you can't say too many times that, um, you know, A, unprotected sex can result, you know, with some consequences, but then that, you know, sex before marriage, you know, can uh, result in, you know, consequences uh, negative consequences as well, and so we we need to keep having those conversations because I I think about when even when I was growing up, how my um, parents would say things, and it, you know he would go in one ear and out the other, but um, sometimes my uncle or have an aunt or a teacher, you know, someone that would just just look me in the eye and they'd say something that my my mom or my dad had said, and I'm like, okay, I you know I've heard this before. And so we should not de- devalue um, the importance of our voice and our speaking into the lives of children, even when they're not our own. Because I think you may have said it pre-show about the whole village piece. I mean, we it really does take you know the entire you know village to help raise our children, and we have moved away from um, speaking into their lives. You know, it's like. And on my block growing up, we all knew, every, we knew everyone's names, Mr. and Mrs. So-and-so, and we were respectful, and if we did something out of line, um, those adults would, would speak to us and and sometimes, um, you know, chastise us based on, you know, the severity of the behavior. And we're, we're, we have lost that in community now, and I feel that our children have um, have suffered because we don't have enough people saying, you know what you're doing is maybe not okay, or have you considered this? Or you know, here are three or four other people that can affirm you as a beautiful, strong, um, intelligent young woman, and you don't have to give up your body or you know give up your virginity for a man um, or a young boy to uh, make you valuable, to make you important. That you're already important. Um, without opening up your legs, and so I just I just really believe that there's such a huge importance in just community um, affirming our young people, and that we can help to shape what kind of the next decade looks like for um, for young adults. And just for yucks, for those kids who are listening and thinking, what are STDs? Can you? Tell us what that stands for and give us some examples. Yeah, sure, 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 sure. Sexually transmitted um, sexually transmitted diseases. <laughs> I've been saying STDs yeah. for so long. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and, and like, there is no laughing. No, yes, and so like um, gonorrhea or um, syphilis, uh, AIDS. Chlamydia. Chlamydia. Let's see what else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, isn't it true? Herpes, you get herpes too. Yeah, 
Okay, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, and some of them last, some of them you can never get rid of. You can just manage once you have them. Right, exactly. And so so that's a, that's a really good point, that you can get some and um, and you may say, oh, well, you know, I'm never going to, you know, have sex again uh, or I won't have unprotected sex, but you do, I'm just going to do it just this one time because he said he, he forgot to get a condom. And uh, but you know we're so hot and passionate, we want it so bad, and, and so we're going to go ahead. But just that one time could um, could re- result in you know maybe gonorrhea or something. And then especially for women, young women, the disease often goes undetected. That you sometimes they don't even know or don't even realize that you have been infected. And so you could have a lot more long term issues. Sometimes it. Uh, results in infertility or, you know, issues with some, you know, your female organs. And so there's a lot of consequence that can come from sexually transmitted diseases. And so you want to become more educated about that. And when you have that education, I think it does also help you to, you know, make um, more sound decisions about, um, you know, giving yourself up. And not just about giving yourself up with unprotected sex, but um, that is one of the aspects of um, of decisions that can be made when you know that if um, it's unprotected, that you could be highly at risk. Well, now, uh, to the kids and the listeners, Sheila reads a life manual. And in case you're wondering what that is, a life manual is the instruction book that comes with your body, your mind, and your soul. And oftentimes... If you are reading a life manual, it's probably because your parents have raised you uh, in an environment where you are encouraged to read one. If you, if that's the case for you, you'll recognize it because it might be in your household a Hebrew Bible, it might be a Christian Bible, or some other holy text that your family uses. And Sheila, I know that you use a life manual. Which one is that? That's the Holy Bible for Christians. And what does your life manual say about having sex? Yeah, so um, it says that um, sexual intercourse is to be held between a man and a woman um, in marriage. So you should be married to actually have intercourse and that anything outside of that uh, would be considered um, you know, fornication or consider it a, a sin, and or for instance, or if a um, a husband and wife were married and then they cheated on their um, spouse, that that's considered adultery. So that's you know, sex outside of that that marriage, and and that um, particularly for for um, people that are not married, having sex um, can result in a, a consequence, a negative consequence. Um, in in their life, and so we don't know oftentimes what that looks like. It could be it can could be you know STDs, or it could be um, a lot of the emotional um, uh, frustration that comes, baggage, scars that are tied to um, sex outside of of the bonds of of matrimony. And so, but it in a nutshell, it's saying that. Having sex before marriage is considered to be um, a sin and will have a consequence in some way um, if you do. 
Now, the reason we talk about the Life Manual and we use it is because the basis for the the, the Speedway Show, the idea is that you have to have some sort of standard by which you live by. And the Life Manual is as close to a manual uh, uh, for your life as you get to anything. And it does sound, though, Sheila, like when essentially God uh, in the Life Manual is trying to get us not to have sex before marriage, I would suggest to you, and there would be some of the listeners who would suggest, that actually it sounds like God is just trying to make sure I don't have any fun. So what's up with that? (laughs) Well, God does like fun. (laughs) He created fun. Are you sure? It doesn't sound like it at the moment. I know it doesn't sound like it. Um, But, you know, if you think about the fact that God created, um, you know, men and women and their their genitalia and the the um excitement and pleasure that can come from that that he knows what it is cuz he created it and so um one of the things when you you're talking about the importance of the life manual and I always say that the life manual my bible um provides a governing uh entity for me so it helps to kind of bring barriers soft barriers for me to make decisions, and that God, his desire is that we have life, that we are fulfilled in our life, that we do have joy and happiness um, and, you know, excitement in our life, but also recognizing that there is no, uh, there's all, there's the flip side of that. There can't cannot be just all good and fun and happy times um, without the consequence of doing some things that are, are outside of the the um, the boundaries of that governing um, entity, and so that you know God really he he wants us to have fun, but he also is saying that if you do some things that I, that he believes are not healthy, that there is a consequence to that choice, and so um, the fun can come when you're willing to walk within the um the boundaries really of you know um God's idea for us in marriage and in relationships overall I think it's also true that um when we think about the do's and don'ts that mm-hmm. come out of life manuals a lot of times it is because if you do, as you said, there's a negative consequence, and essentially God is trying to protect us from that. And what I believe and um, would suggest is that actually the problems, the emotional problems that you talked about earlier, the emotional consequences, the negative stuff that happens when you have sex in an environment that is not Safe. In other words, you're having sex with, uh, you've got sex between a boy and a girl where there's no commitment to any kind of longevity. There's no expectation that he's going to actually stick around long enough to love me. If he leaves, that is going to leave me feeling hurt, feeling abandoned, feeling cheap, feeling like I gave myself away. And so when God says, 
sex has to happen in the context of marriage, it is because it is only in the context of marriage that you have the security and the expectation that he's going to be there tomorrow and the day after and the day after that. And in fairness, you know, not every marriage survives, but at least that is an environment where there is a commonly understood expectation that is going to be me and you, and it's going to be just me and you. And so it's a much safer environment so that you're not as likely to end up feeling lost, hurt, abandoned, and all of those things that happen when it's just done in a casual environment. Do you agree? I wholeheartedly agree. And you're making, you're um, raising another point. You know, recently I, you've probably seen where they're now having this thing called the open marriages. Have you, you heard about that? What is that? I've yeah. heard about it, but I'm not sure what it is. Okay, like open, like an open marriage means that I'm married to my spouse, but we are open to have sex with other people. And so it, it's, oh, my goodness, it is just, it's, it's crazy to me. Um and it is is so dangerous. But basically, a lot of stars are talking about you know they're willing to do this, but that you know, um, but the psychologists have even come back and said it's not healthy and it's it's not working. But young people probably have heard about it much more than maybe even you know someone over forty because um, it's it's something that's becoming more popular. That you can you have the supposed commitment of a relationship with your spouse but you want to maybe have sex with somebody else is because you may get bored with the person that you are with. And here again, um, it's to me it's just another lie or deception that that kind of behavior is going to um, produce the, the safety and, and joy and commitment in a relationship. It, it just can't. And so, you know, so many different things come up around um, sexual activity, and it's important that we get back to the basis of, you know, a man and a woman loving each other, being committed, and um, and not even allowing other outside forces to, um, to tweak or change what is going on in their bedroom. Because I was, the other thought I was thinking is how, you know, sometimes maybe how a husband and a wife their relationship gets skewed is because they're looking at what somebody else is doing, television or porn or what somebody else said that they did, and that maybe that works for them. But but the husband and wife really needs to look at what works for them themselves and making sure you know what is God saying and how can we can be fulfilled with each other. What um, how can we bless and satisfy one another? And so. Um, I, it, I just believe that young people can really get confused because there's so many different um, aspects of what a healthy relationship is, but that that we really do need some kind of governing body, and God can help us to do that. And we need to try. You know, we need to give that a try. We're we're so willing to try all these other things, but we're not yeah, willing. To, you know, but we're not willing to to try. You know, what God is saying. What do you say to all the guys and girls out there who say, well, gee, maybe it's too late for me because I already had sex? It's never too late. It's never too late. We talked about this before, you know, that you actually can um, renew your virginity, that you can start over, you can abstain, um, you can just decide today, you know, 
that you want to make a make a choice to value. I seem to have lost. Pardon. I am going to conclude with is that um, to all of those out there who've already had sex, that there is no, it's never too late to stop. And it's never too late to decide that you are going to abstain and that you are going to treat yourself with a greater level of respect than you have in the past. And so with that, I would say to all the kids out there, think long and hard Mm -hmm. about your sexuality and work hard not to give it up. Watch your friends and pay attention, and you will see that for those kids who are having sex, it's not all that it's cracked up to be. And, oh, you're back. Oh, you're, are oh, you yeah. here? No. <laughs> yes, I can I hear you. I asked you a right. question, and I thought maybe I lost you. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, no. Yes, okay. So um, yeah, I, it just blanked out maybe just for a second. So, um, But so what okay. I wanted to, so to tag on to what you were saying, I just wanted to say I think it, it's important that um, kids – really protect I was kind of thinking protect their the gates of their of their life you know so protecting their eye gate you know what they're looking at their ear gate what they hear um you know their heart their 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 spirit to know what are the things that they're that they're receiving into themselves and then when they start being really conscious of that it will help them to make more conscious decisions about how much they value themselves and that really they can begin to recognize that sexual intercourse really is a gift and you don't just give your gift to anyone and you will be less likely to just you know throw it throw it around and um or let someone pressure you into stealing the gift from you uh because you value it more than um you know more than anything what final suggestions do you have for all those kids out there struggling with their hormones, and trying to stay out of trouble. Yes. So really kind of related to, to what I was just thinking. So, yeah, so really um, television, music, um, conversations, really, you know, guarding those. And um, and as I kind of mentioned earlier, uh, allowing people with maybe additional wisdom it doesn't necessarily have to be people that are much older, but it could be someone that is uh, making some healthy choices uh, or older adults that you are allowing them to um, to give some wisdom and some counsel and to be willing to listen to um, some advice around this topic. And so, not just going on what you think, but giving some people some other, giving other people opportunities to be able to speak into your life. And to encourage you, because you you trust them and you believe that they want to to help you to grow and to develop into the the young woman and young man that um, you've been purposed to to be. And so I think those those things are can be invaluable for life. Well, that brings us to the end of this very important show. Sheila, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Kids, um, 
it's a difficult world out there, and there there's a lot to navigate. And this is just one thing that you have to deal with in addition to everything else that comes at you. But what I think Sheila and I can say, and I speak for Sheila when I say this, that I promise you that abstaining is always going to lead to fewer problems and fewer challenges and fewer issues than not, even if it doesn't feel like it, even if it feels hard, even if it looks like that's not what everybody else is doing. And it certainly would be the road less traveled. But at the end of the day, um, in fact, I think there's some statistics that demonstrate that kids who are um, abstinent in high school and college tend to do better with their grades, and they tend to do better in general overall with schooling and other aspects of their lives too. Mom and Dad, use this as a starting point to have an ongoing dialogue. Sheila said more than once that we have to reiterate these messages, we have to talk, and we have to talk repeatedly about it. So we encourage you to use this in whatever way is most useful to you, but um, it's not the beginning and it's not the end of the conversation. It is part of an ongoing dialogue. If you uh, visit www.thespeedwayshow.com, you will find that there are uh, resources associated with this show that you can check out and uh, click on and get to other tools that will be helpful to you as you have this conversation. There will be statistics on things like STD transmissions and that sort of thing that uh, you can also use that will perhaps open the eyes of your kids and your eyes too to what's really going on in the environment around them. Thank you for joining us today on the Speedway Show. Join us next week when we will be talking to Amazon bestselling author Barbara Hoffmeister. And uh, given that this is the beginning of the year yet, we will be talking about goal setting and how to make effective changes in your life that get you from here to where you want to be. Until then, this is Spiway saying, go in peace and do not have sex, or at least try not to. Thank you for joining us on the Spiway Show. Thank you for joining us on the Spiway Show. Until next time, live well, live fully, and love deeply.